Sadly, this is what home sounds like for many of America's heroes. During this crisis, many veterans are living on the street, sleeping on nothing more than cardboard. You can help. Donate at cardboardtoheadboard.org. Happy New Year, Fangirl Nation. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Fangirl Playbook. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, joined as always by my co-host, Stephanie McCarroll. On today's episode, we talk about Jimmy Garoppolo and why we both think he'll be the 49ers QB1 in 2021. Next up, we preview the NFL's upcoming wildcard weekend, talking matchups, predictions, and a hot take or two. Then we're off to Dylan for a big confession before Fangirl says, who's hot, who's not. Are you ready for some football? Fangirl Nation, we are back with Fangirl Playbook. Steph, Happy New Year. Did you have a good holiday season? I did. It's good to be back. Of course, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, the older I get, the less I care about the New Year. (laughs) (laughs) But it's good to be back and back talking a little football and Friday Night Lights. Um, Lots discussed. The NFL playoffs start this weekend. This will be the first year of seven teams in each conference. So we have six games this weekend on Wild Card Weekend, which is pretty cool. Uh, We have Friday Night Lights to discuss. So much to do. We're going to preview the games this weekend uh, and then go over the episode entitled The Confession, which is a very dramatic (laughs) name and a dramatic episode. But first, we are going to start, because we are 49ers people, we are going to start by talking about not the elephant in the room, but the quarterback in the room. Not that he's actually here, but um, <laughs> because that the would be an, on the team. <laughs> on the team, that would be an incredible guess, but that's not happening. Um, but we've got uh, we want to talk about, of course, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers. Yes, we realize the 49ers are six and ten and not in the playoffs, and probably not going to be a huge part of our discussion. But for 49ers fans, there's been, of course, a lot of conversation throughout the season on who the quarterback is going to be in 2021. Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have been pretty direct in saying that they do expect Jimmy to be their quarterback. I think there are a lot of variables right now on the 49ers. Uh, He's towards the end of his contract. It's funny because when he signed that contract, he was like the highest paid quarterback. And now I think he's a little bit more middle of the pack. Yep. Um, And they have a lot of other things to deal with in the free agent market. So I've said this on a few other podcasts. I've said this to Steph. My feeling is Jimmy Garoppolo will be the starter in 2021, that they will probably sign somebody in free agency as his backup because there is, of course, he's had trouble being healthy. The team is much better with him on the field, but he has had trouble staying healthy. I think they could also potentially draft somebody. Um, not not going to be Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence, but I think they could <laughs> potentially draft somebody. Uh, but my feeling is Jimmy Garoppolo will be the quarterback in 2021. I'm comfortable saying that. If he's not, you guys can all tell me I was wrong because I was wrong, but that's my feeling right now. Yeah. <laughs> you, I, you know, I'm with you. I, I think the, the reality is, is we don't know because there's so many variables. Um, there's a lot of people to pay. You know, if they were to go out and get another free agent, they're talking about minimal difference, in my opinion, as far as who they can get that's available and very minimal when it comes to the money situation. So I think they're better off going with the guy who already knows the system and knows the players and, you know, knows the calls and 
all of that. But, you know, like I'm, I'm not the one that makes that call. So, um, but I, you know, at the same point, you know, I think that it's all premature at this point. Like we'll probably know in March and until then, like the fan base needs to cool it. Well, and I think like we, you know, we've had, Shanahan has been asked in a variety of ways over the ad last nauseum. several weeks, like ad nauseum. Um, and actually yesterday he got a question and he goes, oh, that was kind of a new way to answer it, which was funny. Um, <laughs> or a kind of a new way to ask it, which is funny. You know, Lynch has been asked about it. He was asked about it yesterday. Um, he said, you know, I think we've been pretty direct on this. And so at this point, let's see what happens. Like Steph knows I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not like <laughs> going between the lines like, well, he said this and not that and this and that. And I think yeah, you know, the other thing, like when they all, when you come up for a press conference, you don't know the questions ahead of time. So I think everyone's asked answering questions as best they can. So I don't think that there's a concerted effort to be like, I'm going to use this verb instead of that <laughs> verb. I just don't think there is. I just, I don't know that it's, it. you're, you know, thinking that way. You have people in a press conference, you're up there, people are asking you questions and then you answer them. So that's kind of my feeling on that. I think, you know, we'll see what happens. But at this point, like, we'll see what happens. Like, they've said what they've said. And I also just think from a – it just makes the most sense um, to have him as quarterback. Yeah. As next year and I'm see all what- for upgrading if, if it's possible. But it's got to make sense. And I think – you know, with what who's available and what, you know, do I think they draft someone? Yeah, I think. Oh, yeah. You know, I think that that there's um, the backup situation. It's not just the QB1. There's QB2 and 3 that have issues too. So I think that there's a lot there. So I don't know. And I actually, Kyle Shanahan actually, um, he – addressed that yesterday and he goes, he he like said, like, this isn't something to like make a statement or tweet about, but we are going to be looking at quarterbacks because we have a restricted free agent and an unrestricted free agent as our two backups. So we're going to be taking a bigger look at that position than we have in the past. I mean, maybe this is just silly naivete. I think that's actually the bigger issue. I think Mm -hmm. you start Jimmy Garoppolo, you're paying him what you're paying him. Maybe they restructure his contract. Maybe they don't. You pay the people around him and you're upgrading in that QB2 position um, because that's the position that may, you know what I'm saying? I know that that kind of sounds silly, but I actually think that becomes a little bit more of the issue. But listen, we will see what happens. Like you said, we'll probably know in March it's going to be what it's going to be. And um, it's kind of what I have, but I'm yeah. going to go. I'm going to laugh when Jimmy G is still the quarterback. He's going to be the starter. I mean, I, and I've said it, I've said it multiple times over the last few weeks. And I said on the weeks ago, I've said it, I've actually said it in a, on a number of different interviews. And so I'm just going to go on record here on fangirl playbook that I do believe that Jimmy Garoppolo will be the starting quarterback of the 49ers. I don't, I don't have anything better. Like, I don't, the way I look at it is, yeah, I wish Jimmy G played better, you know, but I don't know who's better and who's available. So I kind of, um, you know, I'll roll a Jimmy, go Jimmy. I'm team Jimmy. And, (laughs) And I would say he played bad. He played poorly in the Arizona game. He got hurt the next week. Yeah. He probably he said he said yesterday yeah, he may have rushed back um but he did is what it is 
He played really well um, in a couple of games. Then he got hurt again. So, it, you know I mean, like I think the season was also very much a wash on a number of levels. It so, is what it is. There was a lot of is, issues, so. not just QB. Certainly, certainly not. Um, so that's what I say about that. So with that, let's look at this weekend's wildcard matchups because we, like I said, we got a lot of them. So let's start with Saturday, where the action begins at 105 Eastern, 1005 Pacific. <laughs> I sound like an ad. Uh, but we have uh, our first game of the weekend will be my Indianapolis Colts so <laughs> against, funny. against the Buffalo Bills. Okay, so this is I, – I look at this as a very interesting matchup. I had actually forgotten about, until I was doing a little research, how the Bills blew that lead against the Texans last year in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. And remember that? And they had to go to overtime, and, and Josh Allen made a number of mistakes in that game. So I think this game is going to very much come down to the play of Josh Allen. He will be up against the NFL's eighth-ranked defense led by – DeForest Buckner, the reason that I am a honorary Colts fan for the playoffs. Um, so it'll be – that'll be kind of interesting. And it's basically going to see, like, how much has he learned and grown. You know, it's one thing to have a great regular season. Winning in the playoffs is an entirely different thing. And one of the things that's super cool about this playoffs is we have a lot of veteran quarterbacks who've been here before and who get it. So yeah, he's going to sure. be up against Phillip Rivers, who hasn't had an amazing playoff career but has been playing a long time. Um, so I think that's really what this one is going to come down to, you know, Buffalo has played so well, I would love to see them go further. Um, but it's, it's really all going to be on Josh Allen and how he plays. If he continues his regular season performance, I think Buffalo wins this game. No problem. Even against that top defense. Um, if not, then Indy could move on to the next weekend, next round. Yeah. I think it's all about matchups, and I think this one's a tough one for the Colts. And then, you know, we'll see how it, everything plays out. But, you know, I don't think anything's a sure thing when I was looking through the wild card rounds. I there really are. I, I agree with you. I don't think there are any sure things in any of these hmm. games. And I think it the the games are there and available to win, so it's theirs to take. Yep, there's there's – you know what? I like that take. The games are there and available to win. I'm into that. Actually, <laughs> I like that a lot. Yeah, that was uh, really like profound. <laughs> it was. That was that was very deep. I'm very into that. The games are there and available to win. But I do agree. There's as we go through these matchups, I wouldn't say that any are a shoe in. So yeah. except maybe one, but we'll get to that one in a minute. So you guys could guess in your head right now which one I think might be a shoe in and then you can decide. Uh, and then we'll see when we get there. All right. So there, that's what I say on that one. Um, I don't know if I'm picking a winner in this game, uh, but uh, again, I just think it's going to come down to how Josh Allen plays uh, against that D. So there's that. All right. The next game on Saturday is going to be, and this one will be interesting, the Los Angeles Rams at the Seattle Seahawks. Remember at the beginning of the season when we thought maybe all four NFC West teams would make the yeah. playoff? Turns out <laughs> only two of them did. Um, but, uh, we have the Rams against the Seahawks in Seattle. Okay. So this game also big, big looking at big looking. That's really good English. We take a big look at the quarterback position because you have Jared Goff who had thumb surgery less than two weeks ago. So mm -hmm. the other day Wolford started played fine. Uh, he was 22 of 38 for 231 yards. He also rushed for, I believe 56 yards, which brought a little bit of a different dynamic to the Rams offense. 
so that is going to be kind of interesting. They are going to be up against a Seattle team who, although they did beat the 49ers the other day, has been somewhat struggling offensively yeah. and has started slow offensively. Um, and they will be up against Aaron Donald. And as I've said many times, being up against Aaron Donald does not sound like a great way to spend your Sunday, or in this case, your Saturday. So I'm curious to see how this goes. Um, I, you know, I, I can't really bet against Russell Wilson, especially if Wolford's the starting quarterback. But to be honest with you, I can't really bet against Russell Wilson if Jared Goff is the starting quarterback. He has been inconsistent at best all season long. Uh, And although Aaron Donald is one of those rare defensive players that has the ability to take over a game, I always think in a, in a close playoff game, when push comes to shove, you know, I would, I would always bet Russell Wilson. Uh, So I'm going to pick Seattle to win this one. Although I'm picking Rams. Okay, great. Well, I just think they have their number. I just think they have their number and they've won consistently. And I, and I think Seattle looks bad. <laughs> so. Seattle does not look good. Seattle just definitely, definitely does not look good. Of that, there is no doubt. And listen, I would much rather. It, it's so hard because these are the two NFC West yeah. rivals. Uh, but I would rather the Rams one than the Seahawks one. So, and, and also, I think Wolford's like a great story. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I think that would be great too. You know, if if he does indeed start on Saturday, but that's fine. You pick the Rams. I'll pick the Seahawks. But I hope I'm wrong and you're right. So there's that. We have that going for us. Um, okay. So then we have what I consider to be maybe the most interesting game of the day. Uh, and that is just in my humble opinion. You guys can all totally disagree with me, as can you, Steph, of course. But we have Tampa Bay at Washington. Now, first of all, this is that great NFC East situation where because the Washington football team is the NFC East winner, they're hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who, of course, have a much better record. Uh, They are, of course, led by quarterback Tom Brady. They're going to be potentially without wide receiver Mike Evans because he hyperextended his knee the other day. So not sure if he will play. They do have Antonio Brown. They have Chris Godwin. Um, I Okay, so I am going to make – this is a hot take prediction, and I'm just going to do it, and I'm sure I'm wrong. But if I'm right, then I want everybody to give me a clap emoji on Twitter. Um, (laughs) But I am going to pick Washington to win this game. Oh, wow. I think that defense is so good. Um, I, first of all, I mean, the NFC East, can we just discuss this weekend? They could have not more NFC Easted, like in both of those games. Like it was the most NFC East thing ever. What was going on with the Philadelphia Eagles? I have no idea. I really can't support anything that, that Doug Peterson chose to do. Um, I know Giants, the Giants and Giants fans are super angry about it, but it was really weird and you know, I don't want to get like dramatic and say disrespectful to the game, but I do feel like it it somewhat was. Mm. But I do think that Washington defense is so good. And, you know, if Alex Smith plays well, you know, I'm going, I'm doing it. I'm picking Washington. I'm probably to be wrong, but I'm taking my hot take and picking the football team. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Bridget. And actually, you know what the nice thing is about that? All I said was I'm picking the football team. So if I'm wrong, I could be like, I didn't say, I just said the football team. (laughs) Well, I know what you meant. I I don't know. I I have no idea who's going to win this. Um, And I don't really care, to be honest. Uh, (laughs) You're not pulling for Alex Smith? Oh, well, yeah, I'm pulling for Alex Smith. And I just... You know, but I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. So, well, no, I mean, I would first of all, can I just say that I'd hate for you to lose sleep over any football game? I don't think you should ever lose sleep. Oh, I lose sleep over football games all the time. 
<laughs> no, but, Steph, don't do it. <laughs> but um, but yeah, this one's like, yeah, I'm definitely pulling for Alex. I'll always pull for Alex. And you guys know, for me to go against Tom Brady right. is a pretty big deal. But I just I, I look at that Washington defense, and I think they're so exciting. Of course, the Alex Smith story is incredible. Ron Rivera's defense is pretty good too, especially it is. It is. I'm not. I'm not saying it's not. Nope. I'm not saying it's not. Um, I agree with you. Um, but uh, I don't know that Washington football team. And I mean, Alex Smith and Ron Rivera are also just such great stories. Yeah. Um, that being said, I really would hate to see Tom Brady lose in the first round with the Buccaneers, but he's already won. He's already won the breakup because he's oh, yeah. in the playoffs and the Patriots aren't. So, I mean, I would say, you know, there's that, but um, I'm going with the Washington football team. Certainly will not be upset. I know I'm in the minority on this, but I would not be upset to see Tom Brady win the game, but I'm, I'm picking Washington. All righty. So there's, that's what I got. Uh, all right. So we'll move to the Sunday games. We have, a rematch of last year's uh, wild card round, the uh, Baltimore, at, or maybe it wasn't the wild card round, but either way, rematch of last year's uh, Baltimore Tennessee Titans game when the Titans totally shocked the world to be super dramatic about it. The world, the world was shook. The world was just shocked. Shockwaves sent throughout the world. Um, Earthquakes. It was. They have places you wouldn't even believe. Everybody was just going crazy, uh, but they beat. Uh, the Ravens. And so you have the two best running teams in football. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is going to come down to quarterback play, I think, really, because um, these are actually two pretty evenly matched teams, I believe, uh, kind of across the board. Now, Lamar Jackson's numbers are down uh, in the air. Uh, and I, I don't know. I I would. I really would like to see Baltimore win because I really like Lamar Jackson, and I would like I to see him shake off those um, that narrative, you know, that he can't win in the playoffs, even though he's so early in his career. Uh, but it'll come down to which one of them plays better, whether it's Tannehill or Lamar Jackson. I'm I'm kind of thinking thinking kind of Lamar Jackson, but this is one very much like our Indianapolis Buffalo game that there is no shoe in and um, we'll see, we'll see which quarterback plays better. Just, I think that'll just come down to that. And I know that that doesn't sound like expert analysis, but there are other games where it's like, well, you have such a tough defense and if they can make plays and et cetera, et cetera. But I, I just think on this one, it'll come down to who's better in the air, especially because both of these teams run the ball so very well. Yeah. I think they're both heavy hitters. I think they both have really good defensive um, components to their, you know, to their mm-hmm. game. I, I think they're dynamic in a lot of ways from the run and what they can do. So, you know, I, I think these are two heavy hitters. I, I don't know. I tend to think the Titans might pull this one out, but I would obviously be so happy for Lamar. Um, but we'll see. And, and there's other, there's other, you know, players on that Ravens defense, you know, that I think would be, you know, they really want this. So we'll see how it turns out, but we'll see. Uh, then the next game is my one shoe in of the weekend. It is okay. Chicago at New Orleans. So I hesitate to say this because the Saints do tend to disappoint in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But, and I'm sorry, Saints fans, because it's been rough stuff. That being said, we have Mitchell Trubisky against Drew Brees, and there are a bazillion other factors in this game. But I would pick Drew Brees any day of the week, including this Sunday. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, you, you know, I don't, yeah, I, I kind of agree. I think part of the reason why the bears are there is because of their success so early on in the season. It's, so, it's totally why they're there. I don't they had that six game losing streak. Right. Um, so I think that, and listen, Trubisky has certainly played better the last several weeks and actually has maybe played himself into an extension. Like he may still be there next year, which is amazing. Um, but I, I think New Orleans, you know, aside from Drew Brees, the Saints do expect to have wide receiver Michael Thomas back. They, of course, have our old friend Emmanuel Sanders, who was very sorely missed in so many ways this year in San Francisco. Uh, and then Alvin Kamara is, I know, up in the air. But I, I think you have a, a very good Saints defense. You have so many weapons on offense. And, I mean, obviously the Bears defense is excellent as well. But like I said before, if you're going Trubisky v. Breeze, I'm going Breeze. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think it's obvious that the the Bears need some work. Yes, I would agree. I, I would say, uh, and apparently Cappy and Sadie agree wholeheartedly as well. <laughs> as you guys can hear in the background, they are very much pulling for the Saints on this one. Um, okay, so then we get to uh, a rematch of this past weekend's game. We have uh, Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Um, so Cleveland and Pittsburgh play, played each other this past weekend. So Cleveland has – this is going to be a very interesting situation. First of all, they will be without their head coach who tested positive for COVID-19. So Kevin Stefanski cannot coach in this game. So their special teams coordinator, I believe, will be the head coach of this game. They they did win this last weekend. Pittsburgh had rested several of their players uh, because they were getting ready for the playoffs and they were – you know, they're – their seating was set, so to speak. So they played, uh, the Browns played this weekend without a number of players due to COVID-19 protocols. Those players, I believe, will be back. I think enough time will have passed. So if we look at these two teams in matchups, uh, I think not having your head coach is a going to be a big deal. Um, their first playoff appearance is 2002, and he's done an incredible job with this team. So I I don't think we could underestimate the effect that that will have on this game. But if we look at the players on the field, you know, Pittsburgh has really struggled these last several weeks since their 11-0 start. They Then they had a three-game losing streak, and, and they've really struggled uh, ending the season. They haven't been able to get the run game going I think when you look at matchups, um, I actually think this is a, a good matchup for Cleveland. I think Cleveland wins this game. Yeah, I, I, I think it'd be a good one for them to win. But I also think that they they have to be affected by that COVID. And I think they're one of the. This is one of those games that COVID is going to put a wrench in things. So it is, and I, and I think that you know I think it's going to depend how many people come back. And uh, how missing their coach is going to be big. And, and I think also, as I'm thinking about this further, of course, you'll be up against a spectacular coach in Mike Tomlin. Um, and you have Ben Roethlisberger, who has a lot of playoff yeah. experience. Baker Mayfield obviously does not. So I'm now going to alter <laughs> this a little bit. I still think Cleveland, I think Cleveland has a very good chance of winning this game. But uh, the COVID stuff might be too much to overcome. Yeah, and you know, it, it, it's one. Of, I think it's going to be a really good game. But like, Cleveland hasn't been in the playoffs for I don't, I forgot what since two thousand two. Yeah, so I mean, we're talking that's quite a long time. So maybe that that's going to inspire 
but the team's pretty fresh to this. So I think it's going to be a great matchup and we'll see what actually conspires here. Yeah, but we'll see. I, I'm I'm curious about this. This one might be. I mean, actually, looking at all these games, they should all be really, really good I think football so too. games. I think yeah. we're gonna get we're gonna be treated to quite a bit of football. I mean, basically, I'm planning to be spending all day Saturday and Sunday on my couch watching Me football. Too. Uh, that's basically what's starting at 10:05 our time Saturday and just making it through the rest of the day. So that should be really fun. But uh, I do I do love playoff time. I can't. And I mean, let's take a moment. We made it. Like the we've made it to the playoffs. It's really kind Here of incredible. Are. Here we are. Um, so that is what we got. We will be back next week to, of course, we're going to still talk about Friday Night Lights, but we will obviously next week talk about uh, all the games and then preview what is coming up in round two. And um, that is kind of where we are. But it is amazing. We did make it to the playoffs. So way to go on that NFL. Um, so. Here we are, Friday Night Lights time. We are on the episode entitled The Confession as a reminder at the end of last episode. I was going to say last week's episode, but at the end of the last episode, Landry does come to the police station and confesses uh, to the murder. So in this episode, they're really trying to help him out and really want him to the police, uh, the police that is, and even the lawyer he hires really want him to claim self-defense, which it really is self-defense. But Landry has a lot of trouble with this. And I think it's, of course, the fact that he killed someone and the guilt that went along with it. No matter how terrible a person that man was, there's obviously so much guilt that comes along with it. And I think it was self-defense. And he was worried for his life and Tyra's life. Um, And so he has a lot of trouble with that, though. And they really have to – I mean, he – really has to think that through. And there's that scene in the very beginning where his dad has to take him out of the station, like literally kind of carrying him as he's crying um, because he keeps saying, I killed a man, I killed a man. Um, But through the course of the episode, in talking to Tyra and talking to his attorney and in having a conversation with his dad where his dad says to him, you know, I can't survive you going to prison. And you, did you think that he was going to kill Tyra. And eventually Landry comes to the conclusion that yes, he really did believe that this man was going to kill Tyra um, and potentially him. And when he hit him with that pipe, he was trying to save both of their lives. So they decide not to press charges. And it's kind of funny in rewatching it. I was like, yeah, why didn't we just go with that episode one? (laughs) Why didn't you just call the police and tell them what happened? Not one of it is. But they didn't, and they wanted to drag it out for a while. Um, And so they did. Yeah, so note to self, like if you accidentally kill somebody because you're you're scared. You're fearful of your life, and it's self-defense. Just tell the cops that. And and you have a man who was wanted for rape of five other women, like, and he – it was self-defense. Like this this was definitely – yeah. So there's note to self. That's the the learning from this particular episode on this on this particular thing from this. Yes. From this experience. Um, OK, so let's talk. Let's talk a little Jason Street. We haven't seen Jason Street in a while. Okay. And uh, he in the beginning of the show is with Herc in his room looking at a dating website because Herc's got him signed up for a little online dating. And and his mom comes in and Herc is like, you got to get out of this house like it's time. Um yeah. 
so he Jason goes on a date with a woman from a website, and I believe, if memory serves, even though I watched it yesterday, uh, that the website was specifically for women looking for men with disabilities. Is that correct, Steph? Do you remember? Yeah, that? something like that. So, yeah, he goes to dinner with this woman who, in the middle of dinner, as she gets up to go to the bathroom, tells him that she gets really turned on by peeing. Just. <laughs> Which made me think of the Sex in the City. I don't know if anybody who's listening to this watched that Sex in the City where Carrie dates the politician who wants to pee on her. I don't know if anybody else remembers that, but that's definitely what this made me think of. <laughs> so there's I don't, that. I don't even have a comment here. <laughs> so, so there was that. It, I'm nothing. <laughs> so our friend Jason Street decides this is not the girl for him <laughs> and right. asks his server to please essentially like tell her he left. So mm-hmm. – she does that. The woman gets very angry at the server, throws water in her face while Jason's literally hiding in the kitchen. Um, so, but the uh, the crux of this is the server takes Jason home. Um, they start yes. making out. He ends up spending the night with her, comes home. His parents are like furious because they didn't know where he was. And they were worried and he decides to move in with Herc. But this server and this situation becomes an integral part of Jason's life and um, about decisions that he makes going forward and things that he tries to do. Um, so stay tuned for this one because it's an important one. So that's what yep. I that. So she's uh, it's a good one. And I'm happy. I'm happy for Jason. I mean, it's kind of nice that he's able to like, you know, have a connection with somebody, which was what he was looking for in the first place. And mm-hmm. it was, it happened with this server. So I'm, Happy for him. I was like, oh, good for him. <laughs> yeah, I was happy for him. And actually, while he before before he meets the server, uh, Lila just randomly stops by and he gets a phone call from the girl he's going to go on the date with, and he tells Lila about it. And Lila says to him, "That's pretty cool." So I think you know everybody's kind of moving on. Everyone's yeah. moving on. Everyone's moving on. Speaking of moving on, we got our good friend Tim Riggins, who's still living with the meth dealer slash ferret owner. Um, who is 100% out of his mind uh, and shows up at football practice and is super inappropriate. And Coach Taylor's like, get him out of here. So Coach Taylor also has Tim help up with help out with things around the athletic department because he said he needs need to find someone who owes him a favor. And Tim fit the bill on that one um, since he's still you know paying his penance for deserting the team. Um, and so at a gymnastics, which is, this is like a cute little scene. There's a gymnastics meet. And Tim is like holding up the numbers um, when the, the scores and Coach Taylor comes in and says, how is it going? And Tim's very upset because he says one of the girls is being her own worst enemy and she should be doing better. And he's very upset about it. Uh, but then the roommate is there and, of course, being highly inappropriate. Uh, and then the straw that breaks the camel's back is Tim sleeping. The roommate comes in his room with a gun and points okay. it at him and says, you forgot to feed the ferrets. And he's joking. However, it's not That's- funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Uh, and so Tim is like, I got to get out of here. So he says he's going to leave and go get some vodka. And he just leaves and never comes back. Um, he is found the next morning and we're going to get to this, but he's sleeping outside the Taylors in his car. Uh, and this comes down to Coach Taylor giving him a place to live at the Taylors. And this, again, um, is a big storyline. And so I would like to take you back a few episodes when we were talking about Billy dating 
Tim's ex-girlfriend, the older woman with the child. And remember I said that it, and Steph, you know this obviously because you've watched, but um, I said that the that relationship ends up having some pretty serious and long-term effects on Tim. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is the beginning of that. Yeah. Uh, so that, and it gets, it kind of goes throughout the show. So there is that. Meanwhile, in the Taylor household, um, it is going to be Baby Grace's or Gracie Bell's christening. And it's very important to Tammy that this goes well. And so she's asked Julie to do a number of things, her sister to do a number of things, Coach Taylor to do a number of things. Julie comes at school um, to Coach Taylor's office and he actually says, like, what are you doing here? I thought we weren't supposed to interact at school, Um, which I thought was funny. (laughs) And she's like, mom's asking me to do so many things and I have school and I have dance and I have this and I have that. And so he tries to talk to Tammy about it who says, like, do we really want to be raising a daughter who she goes to school and comes home? Those are basically her responsibilities and she can't help out with the christening. And Tammy and Julie end up getting in a really big fight. And, you know, Julie says, like, I do so much for you and I just want to thank you. And Tammy says, well, I do so much for you. And I have to say in this scene, Steph, and I would like your opinion on it. I don't – one thing that I feel like no one has acknowledged, and maybe that's just reality, you know, like – that maybe people wouldn't acknowledge. But I feel like in the course of the show, I've never seen Tammy or Eric truly acknowledge what a life disruption it was for Julie to all of a sudden have a baby sister. And people have way worse problems. And so I'm not saying it's not something she can't get over. But at 15 years old, after being an only child her entire life, she now has a baby sister. And We've talked about this. At the same time, her dad was gone for several months, coming back and forth. And I don't feel like that was ever fully acknowledged. And I felt like in this scene, I kind of – and she does make up for it. But in this scene, I really – I wanted Tammy to be better. Yeah. Tammy's had a rough couple episodes. So yeah, had a rough couple episodes. And I don't know. I feel for her, and you know, in the grand scheme of things, like, you know, I I get it, but being a teenager is hard. I, you know, I think I I wouldn't want to do go back for any reason at at all. So I think it's hard, but yeah, is it that big of a deal? Probably not in the grand scheme, but. But you in know, that moment at 15, yeah. I think it is. And so and I guess Matt and then the and Matt, exactly. And and all of that. Yes, the Swede and Matt and everything. Oh, I forgot about Matt. We've that to talk about too. Um, there's so much that's happened. I just feel like and she does later, but in that moment, I would have I just would like at some point in a lot of these episodes, I just want one of them to say to her, like, I understand that this was right. like a total disruption in your life. It was a disruption in all of our lives. And I acknowledge that. It's very tough to go from being an only child to 15 years, for 15 years to having a baby sister. And of course, a baby takes up so much more attention, you know, so it's, it's just totally changed everything. And I just don't know that it was ever fully acknowledged. Now, later in the episode, they do have a conversation and Julie is the baby's godmother. And Tammy says to her that you know, when she sees Gracie, she thinks she's the luckiest girl in the world because she does have such an incredible big sister and godmother. And and uh-huh. I think she says the things that we kind of have been wanting her to say. Um, I just felt like that was something that was lacking. And I don't think 
um, in fairness to the writers, I think that may have actually been a choice that the reality of life is that there was so much going on for everybody that nobody had the time or could take the time to stop and kind of think what this was doing to Julie. Yeah, I think I think that's just in life in general. I think it was pretty true to life. I mean, we have a tendency to only see things from our vantage points. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just the way things are. Like, I can see something. I'm like, why are they taking, you know, why is this such a big deal? Or why are they taking offense? Because we only see it from our vantage point. So, yeah. you know, I, I mean, I, I think about what Tammy must. She's like, well, I had to birth her. You know, yeah. I'm the oh, one yeah. that... <laughs> to, you know, do this and do that. And I don't have my husband. So it, that's kind of the, the nature of everything. And so, but we don't look at what Julie, you know, is going through from her vantage point. And, you know, yeah, I think she was a little bit bad too, but I, I, you know, that's life. I mean, everybody makes bad decisions and makes bad choices and doesn't acknowledge. And, and even if it's not bad, it's sometimes we just neglect them. Yeah. I think that that's true. I think that that's definitely true. So um, that is kind of there. And so it's when the family is leaving for the christening that Tim Regan, they find Tim Regan sleeping outside in his truck. So mm-hmm. that is the beginning of that, which will next week bring us to one of my, what I find to be one of the toughest scenes in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. We can talk about it next week, but there's something to look forward to, guys. Yeah. Uh, and then episodes, <laughs> it's, such, it's such a good episode. Oh, good. <laughs> and you, I know you know the scene I'm talking about, and it is, uh, it's a tough scene. Um, okay. So then last but certainly not least, we have Matt, who is now in a full-on relationship with Carlotta. So weird. It is. It's very, it's very weird. And they are sleeping together. And at one, at the beginning of the episode, his grandma comes in and Carletta hides under the covers. I don't think she sees her and says that, ask Matt if she's eaten his, her, if she's eat if he has eaten her snack wells and tells him <laughs> to ask Carlotta if she ate them. Um, but I don't, you know, I don't think she actually has put together that Carlotta is in the room. But um, right now, Matt is very, very smitten, of course. And Smash tries to give him advice, which is great. Um, Smash for, is, tries to give him advice and he's got to set some ground rules. And I think it is a good like uh, relationship moment because um, he talks to Carlotta against ground rules and she basically puts him in his place and then like says goodnight and goes to bed and says she's going to teach him how to make mole the next day. Um, mm-hmm. And Matt's like, wait you're going to bed in your room? Wait, what? <laughs> so, um, so it was a good, it was a good lesson, good life lesson for Matt. But I think we can see that this relationship, one thing that Smash does say is it's a dangerous relationship because right now, um, right now nothing can go wrong and there are no rules. But I think you, we can tell from this relationship that, you know, it only has so long. It can only work right. so long. So, we will see how that plays out. So that is pretty much where we are. Oh, we have one more storyline that I almost forgot about, and that is Buddy and Santiago. And Santiago is struggling and struggling to learn the playbook, um, which is something, you know, this is all very new to him. He never played football before, and Buddy's pushing him, and Coach Taylor's pushing him, and uh, it comes to a head, and Buddy and Santiago have a conversation, and Buddy says to him, "If you basically, if you want to go back to juvenile hall and, and do that the rest of your life, then be my guest, but you have an opportunity here uh, to succeed and to to make a change. And Santiago says to him, I hate you. 
And it's a tough, it's a tough moment because I think also for Buddy, his kids hate him right now too. So it's a very, it's a tough time for him. Um, and that was hard, but Santiago ends up playing in the game. He has a major sack, which changes the momentum of the game. And it's a, it's a big moment for everybody. And after the game, Buddy says to Santiago, I think I went too far and I apologize. And Santiago says to him, like, no, thank you. I mean, I don't know that Santiago's ever had anybody in his life that cared enough to even go too far. Um, and I think he's starting to really appreciate this relationship that he has with Buddy. And I think Buddy's appreciating the relationship with Santiago. Um, so that's that one. Yeah, I think it's a I I I'm kind of fascinated by Santiago. So that whole storyline. And I, I think it's interesting because it, even though Buddy's like all about football, you know, and I think he understands things later, like he kind of shoots at the hip with Santiago poor guy you know needs some some love you know some you know caring so it's um I don't know it, I felt I just felt for him at that moment as a because he's still a kid and to have yeah. nobody and then I don't know you kind of feel a little used there I would think so and I think yeah I think he is you know feeling a little bit like that like they're using me for football um but I think he's also realizing that buddy actually really does care and that Coach Taylor really does care. Uh, and sure. so I think, and he's not used to that. And I think he's used to everybody having an ulterior motive. And um, even if that's a little bit at play, ultimately they really do care about Santiago. So that is that, is that episode. Uh, before we go, shall we do a little fangirl says who's hot, who's not? All right. I will go first if you don't mind. Uh, my who's hot is the Washington football team. Uh, I think even though they're in the playoffs and won their division at seven and nine, they still won their division. Um, and just, and we've talked about this before, but what Alex Smith and Ron Rivera have gone through and that defense is just incredible. So I'm giving them the who's hot. My who's not hot is uh, Doug Peterson, head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, who not so stealthily tanked that game. And um, that is my who's not hot. Your turn. Yeah. <laughs> You're Steph welcome. Curry has been my um who's hot for the past week or so. And then he Oh my god, he's scoring 62. all the points. Yeah, he had scored 62 in a game and I loved it. I loved that Clay was on Instagram in his stories, like, you know, just kind of tweeting right through it. And it was just fun. It was just uh good to see because a lot of people have said that Steph Curry doesn't have it, he can't carry a team, blah blah blah. And you know, I just I, you know, I'm a big Steph Curry fan. <laughs> so. Yes, you are. And that's okay. As well, you should be. It's fair. fair. Yeah. And my who's not. Oh, and I wanted to say the Red Sox hired a female coach. That yes, they did. Cool. That's also very hot. Super hot. Yeah. <laughs> super, super. You get two hots. Okay. I got two hots. And then um, my who's not hot, you know, uh I'm going to have to say the Chargers. I just was mm. really disappointed with everything that I thought that maybe they would, you know, get in to the playoffs or have a couple of, you know, really good seasons with Herbert too, but they just can't figure it out. And so, yeah, they continue to be not hot. 
that's you know what they do continue to be not hot (laughs) and with that my friends we will talk to you next week as I said earlier we will talk about the next episode of Friday Night Lights we will preview the second round of the NFL playoffs and break down this weekend's matchups and more who's hot who's not we'll talk to you later bye y'all all right bye Sports Opinions with a Side of Satire. We're the First and Tens, a weekly show delivering the spiciest opinions on football, life, and especially each other. And we can do that because we've been best friends for so long. I'm Amy. And I'm Jasmine. First and Tens will bring you sports from the female perspective while also injecting pop culture, fashion, and music into our daring dialogue. We're saucy, edgy, and most of all, we We think think we're we're funny funny AF. AF. First and Tens, light on stats, heavy on sass. Follow us at firstandtenspodcast.com.